when I landed, my leg buried in this mud, like post hold in this mud, up past my knee. No. <laughs> Here I am laying belly down in this swamp. I can't yell because my throat is like just, you know, raspy. Uh, and these guys, I can see these guys 70 yards ahead of me. And I'm like trying to like, hey, call their name. I'm laying belly down in this swamp. I, I'm like, I'm either going to die from an allergic reaction or I'm going to drown in this swamp. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like they don't know that I'm here. They think I'm still back at the rocks. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. Hey everybody, my guest today on the podcast is Ryan Smith from the uh, the pretty popular Instagram page HuntAZ. Uh, if you're a hunter out in the desert, like I am, you know this page. Uh, anyway, Ryan has a just an amazing story to share of a backcountry moose hunt, which if you've been around the show a while, you know moose is just one of my obsessions. Uh, so it's a great story. Uh, and then we, we get into a discussion, really how Ryan and I first started talking was this recent issue or, or thing that blew up with Arizona Game and Fish and, uh, and groups that were trying to shut down bear and bobcat and predator hunting. So, uh, so we talk about that and kind of what happened and even just moving forward, what we as hunters can do uh, to better unite and speak up for ourselves and I don't want to give too much away. So, uh, so let's just get into the story with Ryan Smith. Ryan, hey man, how's it going? Not bad, man. How are you? I'm just living the dream. Thanks for asking. Uh, man, thanks for taking the time this morning, uh, sharing a story and, and we've got, we have stuff to talk about. So, uh, before we dig too deep in, why don't you just give people a snapshot? Who are you and then what's the deal? All right. Uh, my name is Ryan Smith. I've got the Hunt AZ account on Instagram. Uh, I've, let's see, live, in, live here in Arizona. I'm in Tucson right now. Uh, I've been here for, I don't know, about seven years. Uh, I'm not I'm not a native Arizonan like a lot of you guys are. Uh, <laughs> came from a small dairy farm in western New York. That's where I grew up doing all my hunting. I grew up a, a tree stand hunter, so coming out here was a was a huge, uh, huge call to me. <laughs> yeah, I bet here and like everybody's telling tell me you got a glass 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 and i grew up i didn't even never even carried binoculars so i bought these cheap little pair of binoculars and whatever and then i realized man this is not we're not in kansas anymore toto you know <laughs> it took me some time to get used to that uh so it was cool but anyways um yeah western new york is where i grew up uh, and then i've been in the military for the last 13 years uh stationed kind of texas north carolina and here so I've done hunting in all those states, but this Arizona hunting is by far, by far my favorite. I, I've fallen in love with this more than anything, and I don't care if I go to any of those places to hunt again. So. <laughs> yeah, the the desert will get into your bones somehow. Not not just because it stabs you every chance it gets, but uh, just literally getting into your bones, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Well, uh, well let's, let's kick it off. Uh, tell, tell us a story and then we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes out of that. All right. Um, I, let's see, I had a dilemma. I wasn't sure which, which story I wanted to go with. 
Um, I didn't know if I wanted to stick with Arizona, but last year, 2021 was kind of like a year of first for me all the way around. Uh, okay. I, I don't mule deer much, so I helped on a couple mule deer hunts, um, helped my buddy kill his first muley, which I think that went just right around 150 inches. Um, oh, then I went on a Colorado moose hunt. Uh, that was my first never doing that. So that's the story we're going to get into. Um, yes. yeah, I, I figured, you know, man, I I've been listening to a lot of different stories and a lot of Arizona guys. We hear the elk hunts, we hear the muley hunts, we hear the coos hunts. Uh, so I wanted to shake it up a little bit, but going back into it, like I said, last year was a year of first. So I wasn't really sure which story I wanted to do. I got in with an organization called outdoor experience for all. Um, I helped a couple of kids fill tags on that. Uh, fill their first tags, muley and coos tags. Uh, I killed my first lion last year, so it was just a it was just a crazy. From September to December was just a crazy few months, man. Yeah, sounds like it. So, um, my cousin's up in Colorado. He drew a uh, a Shiras moose tag. Seventeen years, fifteen or seventeen years, I think it took him to get that. Oh wow. And the, the way that hunt works out is you get, I think you get the month of September to archery hunt it and then two weeks in October to hunt it with a rifle. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't know what I was in for, man. So I was like, I, <laughs> he called me, I think in, in July and let me know that this was going on. I had already had a, an elk hunt planned to help somebody here up in unit nine. So I kind of felt obligated to that but i got somebody to take over my spot on that and was able to get in on this moose hunt but it was it was it was like a backcountry hunt you know like you guys like to do so i didn't know what to expect at first we were hiking in 10 miles oh right out of the gate yeah but it was like i'm sitting here going man what the heck am i getting myself into if i'm hiking in 10 miles to kill a moose i gotta carry a moose and camp yeah. back 10 miles like we're making this trip multiple times yeah uh, fortunately enough oliver uh he's the he was the tag holder i went with uh it's actually my wife's cousin oliver and his brother um he ended up hiring a an outfitter service to take us in on horseback so it's like yeah absolutely and it was I mean, I didn't pay for it, but it was well worth the monies in my eyes. <laughs> it was well worth his money. <laughs> so I started asking these guys, like, what gear am I going to need and everything? So I went and bought a new pack and all this. And I'm not one of these, like, I love gear. I think everybody loves getting new gear. Of but course. I'm not, I've never been the type of where you need to get the most expensive, the best thing you can. But I last year, I packed out some deer with a garbage pack and, oh. and not but I'm talking to in 2020, I packed out a deer with a pack that it just wasn't made for that. Yeah. It's more a pack kind of thing. And I just kicked myself in the pants for a while for that. So I thought that going into this, regardless, I'm going big, I'm spending the money, buy once, cry once. Like I need a good yep. pack. I'd be doing this all the time with, with a lightweight pack, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, what'd so, you, what'd you go with? If I can ask, I went with the Palisades 90 from outdoorsman's. Okay, cool. So, it's and, working well. Oh, I love it, man. And awesome. What's crazy is I come down to it in that moose hunt. I didn't even need it. Like I bought it specifically like this will carry moose meat. You know, this yeah. heavy with a frame. I didn't even put any moose meat in that thing, man. 
<laughs> because the horses took care of it. <laughs> yep. we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in the story, but uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I know, like I said, guys love gear. Um, and, and one of my things is I try to tell people, especially guys just getting into hunting, you don't need to go buy the crazy big expensive stuff. You learn yeah. it for, see if you like it, see if it's for you, then, then move up when you can afford to move up, you know? But anyway, so I went and bought all this gear. Uh, and these guys, are, these guys are backcountry hunters a lot more than I am. So I was trying to get all the information from them on what I need and, and how to, how to pack food. That's actually ended up why I bought the book from Josh Kirchner for the dialed in hunter, uh, was hunting the backcountry. I needed to figure out, Hey man, I got to start somewhere. I'm a beginner. So let's read this book. So it helped yeah. me out. Uh, so anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting the full, the full backcountry Western experience. I showed up in Colorado. Um, we packed our stuff and then went and met the outfitter and got into the horses and everything and loaded up. I think we, on our way in, I think we took like eight or nine horses. Okay. So there, there was the three of us hunters, the two guides, and then two gear horses. So actually we, we took seven. Okay. Um, so I've never ridden a horse for 10 miles, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I have not gone more than, you know, a, a morning horseback ride somewhere. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. Get those those people that do it all the time they're used to it but your first time and doing it that long i might have like rather walked you know oh, no. <laughs> a little bit like it wasn't terrible but it was uh like you start to feel your hips popping out of like popping out of socket is what it feels like they start to cramp up real bad you got to lean one way or lean the other um and then it just you start to get uncomfortable and then about mile four or five, it kind of just sank in and I'm like, I finally settled in and was fine. Um, but it was crazy. I mean, we did a lot of terrain on those horses and it's amazing what those animals can really do. Um, yeah. But yes, but as we're packing in, let me, let me rewind a little bit. So about a month before that, hor that horse ride, uh, I was dove hunting and I thought I had this crazy allergic reaction to um, to the doves, my face all swelled up. My eyes were swelled shut. I couldn't breathe. I'm like popping Benadryl, like they're Skittles and we were <laughs> to the hospital. And then I kind of started to kind of mellow out. Well, I'd eaten a granola bar that day, like a, one of those kind bars. Yeah. And it had almonds in it. I've eaten almonds my whole life. Okay. And so I'm having some crazy allergic reaction and I just think it's to these doves. So anyways, now we're going back to the horse story. We're four or five miles in. And I pull out a kind bar no. and I eat this thing on the back of this horse. And then about a half hour later, I start feeling my throat get real scratchy. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's like the dander from the horses. Then it starts getting worse and I can feel my eyes puffing up like on my fat cheekbones. And uh, I turn around to Isaac and I said, hey, man, you think elevation would make my throat kind of sore? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, at this point, we're pushing 11,000 feet. Oh yeah. That's no joke. And you know, in Tucson, I'm used to 21, 2300 feet. So, so I'm kind of chalking it up to that. And, but then I started thinking, man, this is the exact same bar I ate while I was dove hunting. So I just threw the other half of the bar. I'm like, I'm not risking it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I just start hammering down water and trying to 
like calm my throat down a little bit and make it so it's not so dry and scratchy. But I'm also like starting to hit panic mode. Man, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm having some, I'm going into anaphylactic shock and I still yeah. don't know. At this point, I don't know. don't know that it's onions or onions, uh, almonds. I don't know what's going on. So we, f- we finish out the horse ride. By the time we get to camp about two hours later, uh, it had kind of subsided. So I just, whatever, brushed it off. Um, we start setting up camp. We're good to go. We, we kind of hike around our area. We set up camp. We just had like a little, uh, a little dome tent that was enough room to fit the three of us in all of our gear. And we set it up right on the edge of this, uh, like a beaver pond. Uh, okay. beaver, beavers had dammed up this little stream and, uh, it had created these, these marshy, I mean, your typical stereotypical moose habitat, like these marshy, muddy, willowy beaver ponds, you know? Sweet. Yeah, it was, it was like, to me, it was just that picturesque moose country. And we're at, I think at this point, I think we're at right around 10,000 feet. Okay. Um, and so we showed up and I'm like looking at the, at my, um, my map app on my phone. And I was looking and I'm like, man, this is not where you guys said we were going. So I had eaten out of this for months, complete <laughs> wrong drainage, man. I oh, eased- no. I was like two miles away and I thought man, this is going to be awesome. I did the Google earth. I did the onyx. I did everything. And we're in this complete random area. So all my scouting has just gone out the window at this point. Um, but so let's see, we got, we got set up, we got camp set up. We, we kind of kicked around that marshy area. Cause now I got to re-familiarize myself a little bit with something I've never even looked at on a map. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kicking around and we're seeing plenty of moose sign. Um, and at this point, this is, uh, this would have been September 26th. So we're still in archery season. Uh, and what made this awesome is Isaac, Isaac also had a, a mule deer tag, either sex mule deer tag and an elk tag. Oh, wow. For our, so we had, we had the opportunity to do some killing. Uh, and that's, but obviously the moose was our number one priority. Sure. So we kick around, we get familiar with everything, and we we just learn the country. We go to bed, wake up the next morning. We're going to consider this day one. You know, day one was really a um, a transit day, and then day one of hunting would have been September twenty seventh. Well, we wake up, we're getting ready, and we've got about a two mile hike to get to where we want to go. Uh, and as we're getting ready, eating breakfast. I realized all of my food is almond based. No, <laughs> like I'll just, I mean, I guess it makes sense. They put it in like everything. Yeah. So I had the kind bars, which is, you know, they have whole almonds in it. Yeah. I had the packets of almond butter, those little Justin packets of almond butter. Yep. Uh, and then I think I had trail mix uh, and uh, those little nature Valley, like crackers kind of deal. Oh man, man. So at this point, I'm still not like really registering that my reaction from the horse the day before and from the dove hunting a month prior came from the almonds. So first thing I do, let's get some protein. I hammer down a packet of almond butter. And then we, we, we start heading south out of camp. We just wanted to get into the area we looked at the day before and we called out to a moose and we got a response. 
Oh man. Here we are like first half hour of daylight already into a moose. Um, and I'm starting to get a scratchy throat from the salmon butter. And so I'm like, I can't tell these guys. And so just in my first aid kit, when I went to, when I did end up going to the doctor for this first reaction, they gave me an EpiPen just in case something crazy happened in the middle of nowhere, like we're getting into. Yeah. So I an EpiPen in my pack. Uh, so we get into this moose and he's kind of walking the wrong way. Well, we, we knew how to get up around to where he was going and there was two more lakes on top. So we hear him calling, but he's working his way away from us as he's calling. So we circle back to camp, head up this mountain to these two lakes. So we, I think it was about a mile, mile from camp. We get up to these two lakes and we set our stuff down and we call out to this moose and we can hear him up above us. He calls back. Well, at this point, my eyes are about swollen shut. But I'm, I'm like the back end of the the group and I'm just the cameraman. So I'm just recording everything. But my eyes are like so swollen shut that I'm like, man, I can see my cheeks. Like oh, look, no. blocking my line of view. So I sit down, I'm like, hey guys, here's what's going on. And I tell them everything. Like I didn't know almonds were a thing. And apparently I ate almond butter this morning and I'm doing this. So I'm popping Benadryl again, like they're Skittles. So I'm like, I got to knock this out. We're starting to, we've completely forgot about the moose at this point because now we're turning this into an emergency situation. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out where we could like looking at places, where could we get a helicopter? Oh, dude. No. This is day one, man. <laughs> I'm like, just here's how I, I'm like instructing them how to use the EpiPen, um, what to do, blah, blah, blah. And so we get the in reach out. Um, we get it ready. And I'm eating these Benadryl. And so finally, I think I said, I think I'm going to be okay, guys. I'm just going to take a nap because now Benadryl's got me completely zonked out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to take a nap. You guys do what you got to do. Just keep an eye on me, whatever. <laughs> Make sure I don't die. Go yeah, try to kill that moose. <laughs> I said, well, if, that, if you get into that moose, kill it, but also make sure I don't die <laughs> by these rocks dead. <laughs> so got the EpiPen out laying next to me and I got my Benadryl. Like if some random person came walking by, they'd have been like, what the heck's going on with this guy, man? Like yeah, this junkie <laughs> in the back country. <laughs> So, uh, I take a nap, I wake up and Isaac and Oliver are gone and I'm like, okay, okay. They must've got into the moose. So I'm just sitting here trying to like recuperate a little bit, figure out what's going on. I look, I see the EpiPen is still enclosed. So I know they didn't have to use it. I hear them calling from across the swamp and I could see the trail through the grass, like through the, the willows in the grass that, that they went to get across the swamp. And so like, I'm real groggy, kind of, kind of like a bear coming out of hibernation is what I felt like. So I go walking across this swamp and there's like this little ditch and mind you, I'm still like not breathing great because of elevation <laughs> and because my throat was just swelling shut. I come across this little like stream through the swamp and I think, all right, I can jump over this. I've jumped over these things a million times. It's two feet wide. I'm six foot five. It's not a hard jump. When I landed, my 
leg buried in this mud, like post hold in this mud up past my knee. (laughs) Laying belly down in this swamp. I can't yell because my throat is like just, you know, raspy. Uh, And these guys, I can see these guys 70 yards ahead of me. And I'm like trying to like, hey, call their name. I'm laying belly down in this swamp. I'm like, I'm either going to die from an allergic reaction or I'm going to drown in this swamp. (laughs) I am, man. Like they don't know that I'm here. They think I'm still back at the rocks. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west, or you're hunting whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up, so you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. It takes me a few minutes to get out of this swamp. Like I'm, I have to like belly crawl out and I have to distribute my weight across my whole body to get up and out of this. Finally, I find a log and I'm able to like crawl up on this log. And then I, they look back and I just see them throw their hands up. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I come walking up to them and they're like, the bull's right up here. And I am soaked, like chin to toes, covered in this swamp mud. Um, and I, it probably wasn't that bad, like once it dried, but I just looked down and I looked like I'd been swimming in this muck hole. Like, <laughs> it looked like I laid in an elk wall. Oh, uh, it's just yeah. awful. <laughs> These guys are just laughing at me. And now they're like, well, let's turn around and go back. I'm like, I just did all this. So you can tell me to turn around and go back. So I'm all kind of like, now I'm irritated because I'm soaked. I'm cold. Can't breathe. And they just want to go back to where we just were because we're not getting into this moose. So whatever. We go back. Um, we go down the hill. We, we continue traversing the trail we were on. We go down into this next drainage or this next basin. And this is where I had actually e-scouted. And okay. I knew, I knew that this was going to produce moose. So this was, and I, they, they did too. They knew it as well. And we all were like, we need to get into this drainage. So we get down in there and decide it's lunchtime. We sit down uh, and start eating lunch. And then out of nowhere, two guys like walk up on us. And we're, like I said, we're 10 miles into this back country. Two elk hunters came up on us and they seemed a little irritated that that we were there, but it's it's public land. We're in the wilderness, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they turn around and, and march off. Well, my other two guys, Isaac and Oliver, are asleep, and I just napped for I don't know how long. I think it was like an hour and a half. So I'm I'm ready to go now. You know, I'm I'm up, breathing's fine. Uh, my swelling in my face had all gone down. So I'm like, I'm gonna let these guys nap. So I go hike another like three quarters of a mile down this basin and I get up on this rock and I set up my little tripod and I start to glass and instantly I found a moose. So now I'm like, all right, I got to go get these guys. We've got a moose. And all I can see is it's back walking through the willows at about, I don't know, 150 yards away. I could just see the back walking, you know, 
and I never saw a head come up. So I could never tell if it was a cow or if it was a bull just walking with his head down. So I turn around and I start running back to these guys. Well, again, my, you know, I had just had all these breathing issues. I'm at high elevation. And so I'm running and I get back and I'm like dying. And they're like, oh no, here we go again. And I'm like, no, no, let me get, let me get and they wake up, you know, they get up and I'm like, there's the moose back here. And uh, we end up going all the way back down there. And it was, it was a lone cow. And so we are in the rut at this point. It is, it is the moose rut at the end of September. Okay. Um, so we figured, well, if she's walking through here, let's hang out. There might be a bull. And she walked she walked probably 30 yards in front of us, just walked right by us without a care. So we thought, well, if she's, if she's ready to breed, that bull is going to be coming soon. Uh, we waited for about two hours and we got nothing. We watched this cow wander off and we could see her. I mean, this drainage, this basin was just this real wide um, mountain runoff Creek that ran through it real wide basin, probably like a half mile wide and okay. just, just flat grassland all around this, all around this uh, stream with the one end where we were sitting was all covered in willows and it just opened up as it went south. So we could see her for a long time. So it kind of worked out because where we were at, we could see if there was a bull tailing her or if she got down and got into a bull somewhere else, we would be able to see it. Cool. Uh, so it was real awesome. Just this real like glacial clear stream. I don't really want to call it a river, but I think it is called it, the name of it is a river. Um, but okay. I mean, you, the trout swimming in it it was just this picturesque mountain little basin awesome um, and and i'm sure you've hunted where there's um aspens and stuff like that and you know you start we started the two days before and they were green now we're watching them just transition hour by hour and that whole yeah. basin turning yellow it's crazy it, how fast they turn <laughs> it was just like this picture was painted while we sat there and hunted like everything was just changing color the whole time. And it was just That's, awesome. Yeah. So uh, back to the moose, we get, we're watching this cow for a couple hours. She or in this area for a couple hours and we see the storm start brewing. And so we're like, let's head back to camp. The day's kind of, we, we can go back to camp and hunt where we heard the bull last. We get back up on top of the hill where I had taken a nap where these other lakes were, they got, they were calling for the bull and it starts raining we weren't we weren't prepared for the rain per se like we had rain here but it was back at camp because it had just been a sunny day but you know how those mountain storms like out of nowhere it's sun and then you're getting hit with the hail the rain and you're just yeah. stuck like you have to get just, rain or you're gonna get soaked. yeah so we start bombing down this hill we're trying to run down the trail and i'm leading the group um and we get like 400 yards from our beaver ponds that we're camped next to. So the way we're camped next to it, the stream kind of ran past our tent, hit the beaver ponds. Then there's the beaver dam on the, we're on the north end of the beaver ponds and there's a beaver dam on the south end and the stream continues. Well, we're coming to the north end of the beaver ponds and I just put on the brakes. In the trail, there's fresh moose tracks. Oh. You can just, you can just see clear plain as day moose tracks where he had gone in the mud hit the trail that we're on and then kept walking and as i stop oliver runs into me isaac runs into him we kind of <laughs> up like those old uh, cartoons you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're just one pile they just keep going 
anyways, so I'm like, these are moose tracks, but we're, again, we're, it's starting to rain. So we're looking, we're overlooking the beaver ponds and we kind of give it a minute and we don't see anything. So we creep down along the edge of the beaver pond, right where the creek comes into the ponds is about 40, 50 yards away from our tent. So I hop over the creek, Oliver hops over the creek, and just as Isaac hops over the creek, we hear this, whew, this big bull grunt. And we all just put on the brakes and we're looking around and we can see him like 20 yards away from us in this thick willow, like oh, this thick. Man. Uh, so for a lot of, a lot of people that are, that are listening, they don't hunt out of state. A lot of guys hunt Arizona. We don't have these thick willow patches and these willows are just like these, I would call them like a six to 10 foot tall, real skinny tree, you know? Um, yeah. So, and they just grow in like bushes, like in clusters. So uh, trying to trying to paint that picture for somebody that's picturing this willow as these tall trees. Um, they're not, they're just a little taller than, than me, maybe, you know, six to 10 feet. Um, anyway, so we hear this, this bull like woofing at us. And then all of a sudden we see his head do that, like that sway that you see, you see moose do it on, on videos where they sway their head back and forth, like trying to, either, I don't know if they're, I don't know if that's them trying to figure out what the heck's going on or if that's them being territorial, trying to look bigger. Um, he didn't need help looking bigger. That's for sure. Um, well, now we're, <laughs> we're spread. We're spread out now to the point where all three of us have jumped the Creek, but I had gotten like 10 yards in front of Oliver. Oliver's 10 yards in front of Isaac and that bull moose is just staring Isaac in the face. Oh, oh man yards and oliver the way oliver's positioned with his bow it's all being blocked by willows and yeah. then me even more so i can't see the moose at all well the moose turns around and starts coming out of the willows to our left like so the way we're lined up it's i'm furthest left oliver's in the middle with the bow and isaac's all the way to the right staring this moose down and i look at isaac at one point and he has got eyes the size of golf balls man like they're <laughs> Huge. And I see him like, he, like almost like he's all, what the heck is going He's just staring this moose down, you know? I mean, who wouldn't be a little like that? You're staring a giant bull moose down. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know how territorial he is. He had another moose with him. I didn't know if it was a, if it was a cow or a small bull. So who knows, maybe he's trying to defend this cow. I, you know, well, the, so we're, I just gave it to your left to right. The moose turns around and starts coming through the willows around and he's coming closer to me now. So I'm trying to get Oliver's attention. I'm all, hey, Oliver, Oliver, but I'm trying not to be loud. We're only 10 yards apart, so he should be able to hear me at this point. Yeah. And I tell him, in the trail, in the trail. And the, the moose steps into the trail that we rode horses in on. Oh, wow. At this point, I'm 35 yards from my tent. So that puts Oliver 45 yards from the tent and Isaac 55 yards from the tent. So we're, and then we're all just in this little cluster and this moose steps out and he gets to 18 yards and he's just broadside and he's just looking at us. And Oliver, and I'm, I'm usually the kind that I love to just take in the experience, but as soon as we heard that moose wolf at us, I pulled out my phone and was able to record all of this. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I got all this on video. Oliver draws back. And I don't know if he hit the trigger premature or whatever, but he missed this bull at 18 yards. Oh, and no. 
sailed over his back and you hear the arrow just hit some tree branches way out in the distance. Now, what makes that kind of ironic is through this whole trip and well, through the, since the, the latter part of this happened, um, Isaac had missed an elk at 17 yards. Oh, no. So Oliver's just given Isaac a bunch of crap for missing a bull at 17 yards. How do you miss an elk at 17 yards? You missed an elk at 17 yards. It just make it fun. I mean, that's their brothers, you know, they got to yeah. do that. So here's Oliver misses a bull moose at eight, <laughs> yeah, like four times the size of an elk. It's just, it was out of control. And it, it made, it made that part of the story a little better. Cause now Isaac gets to rag his big brother a little bit more, you know? Yeah, of course. Anyway, so this is this bull and the bull just runs a few steps and he gets out to 34 yards and he's just standing broadside again. Well, at the angle, the moose ran, uh, he can't see Oliver anymore and he's staring at me. So he's, I've got all the attention of the moose now. Oliver lets another one fly and just drills him in the shoulder, like just, just behind his shoulder. It was a perfect shot. Oh, awesome. I was, you at can, first I was afraid it was like in the shoulder and I can't imagine anything's getting through a moose shoulder blade. Right. No, I, I, I had to clarify that it didn't actually, I mean, he was that perfect, a half inch behind the shoulder bone right into awesome. the rib double lunged him uh and then the arrow made it through the moose and didn't poke out the other side but when we found the moose dead you could see a lump on his side from where the broadhead was about to poke out it was kind of neat wow um, and then as he ran off you could see the arrow sticking out of his side it was you know in a good spot and i felt real good about it and we heard we heard the moose crash and I look over at Oliver and he was just kind of like, what just happened? And it was the conversation we had. I, I went, what the hell just happened? And then it just turned into this like pandemonium of everybody's telling the story and I'm recording it all. And it's just this joyous occasion. We know we drilled this moose, but we've never hunted anything like this. So we don't know. Maybe he just ran through the wheels and we heard him crashing through, but it's going to take him a while to die. So we're sitting there like everybody's telling their story from their perspective. Like we have three different perspectives of what just happened now, you know, which is awesome. So we're sitting there, uh, it's raining. And so now it starts raining harder and we're thinking, man, we're going to lose this blood trail. Oh yeah. But, but we don't want to go walking up on a, on an um, agitated bull moose in the willow with a so, bow and arrow. That's a bad day. <laughs> So we sit and, and like I said, we're 30 to 50 yards from camp. And in the video, I turn around and show you like, here's our camp. Here's where Oliver was when we shot. And here's the bull or here's where the bull was. And uh, so we sit at camp and we're like, let's eat dinner and we'll relax and we'll go find this moose. We, we, we had it in mind. Let's give him an hour, hour and a half, but we'd also want to be weary of the rain. We don't want to lose this blood trail. So we sit down at camp we all start boiling water to, uh, to make our, our dinner. It's like, I want to say it's like four 30 in the afternoon at this point. Okay. So we've, um, we've been hunting for 12 hours. We kill it. We shot this bull between four and four 30, I believe. And we sat there and we're boiling water and I've never seen three grown men eat that fast. And I've been to boot camp where they make you eat fast as you can. Yeah. No, we have hammered down these, these, uh, dehydrated meals. And we're like, all right, well, it's been, 
it's been an hour. It's been an hour and a half, hasn't it? No, it had been like 15 minutes. <laughs> we were just so antsy that we needed to go find this moon. And then, and then the rain. And so we're like, probably honestly making in, in a normal situation, we're making a poor decision. We're, we're going too early. But I had the video that the arrow hit the moose perfectly. Um, the arrow was in there in a great spot. So I felt real comfortable. And so we got up and we start walking. We made it 20 yards from the tent to where we could see down the trail about 100 yards. That moose was laying dead in our horse trail. 60 yards from the tent oh he, my gosh he went 35 yards from where he was hit and piled up and wow yeah so this goes back to the whole thing with the pack i bought this this awesome pack for packing out large loads and the moose is dead in camp like in camp on the trail like you just <laughs> cut him up and leave him there <laughs> so that's what we did we actually because the other this outfitter group was uh they were, they were bringing elk hunters in and out. So we'd see them every now and then. So we had to move the moose out of the trail in case the horses came, which must've been hard enough, even with three guys, <laughs> Yeah, three guys. And I mean, it was taking everything we could to move this moose out of the way. Um, so we finally, we get them out of the trail. Uh, and we, we do, we do our photo shoot, you know, we take our pictures. This is a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. Uh, so we're setting up, we're taking photos, we're, we're hugging, we're rejoicing. Um, there's so many emotions going through. Uh, I looked down at one point and Oliver, I could just see his eyes welling up. Like he was getting teary eyed. And uh, it was just, it was just that next half hour was just crazy full of emotions. I didn't record it. I figured, you know, being a content creator or whatever, I like to record what you can, but this is also a time for just the three of us. Like yeah. let's reflect on this this is our time we can share the story we don't have to show people the story we can share it by word of mouth you know the old school way so we sat there and then uh we we got the moose ready and and we cut him up and i thought it was going to take us hours to cut this bull we had him completely quartered neck cleaned out ribs cleaned off back straps out and i th i think it was Two hours and like nine minutes is what the timer said. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, we just sat there and all three of us just hammered down a section. Somebody took a rear, somebody took a shoulder, somebody did back straps and neck, and it would just work so fast. And so we had it all done and hung up in about two and a half hours. And that's incredible. <laughs> and at this point, we're 50 yards from camp, 60 yards from camp. So we're not, we just hang it in this pine tree next to us um out of the sun you know make sure it's out of the sun for the next day and then um we had to get a hold of the outfitter to come out and get us and we called them the next morning and they told us it was going to be three or five days what, oh what, okay yeah whatever they wanted or whatever we wanted we could either take the three-day route or the five-day route so with colorado's laws when you harvest a moose it's kind of like here where with, with our bears and our lions and our sheep you have to report them you have mandatory inspections yeah um, same for the moose but you have 10 days to do it so by the time we and it's 10 days from the time of kill so by the time we oh. hold of the outfitter we're already on day two because it's the next day and then if they're if it's going to be five days that puts us at day seven then to get all the way back to the house and then to go all the way over to durango to get it inspected, we were pushing our 10 day time limit. So yeah, 
So we took the three days and uh, we figured, well, Isaac has an elk tag and a deer tag. So let's kick around and try to hunt these. Uh, Oliver kind of stayed back at camp and, and cleaned up some of the meat a little more, um, got everything packed up and, and just kind of took a break. And I think he maybe had a little bit of time for some self-reflection, like just some alone time. Think about like how crazy this journey has been for him. Uh, and, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. So I'm glad he, I'm glad it's happened for him. And I'm glad he had that time to reflect and just enjoy it by himself for a few minutes. Um, but then after this, so while he's at camp and he's getting hold of the outfitter, Isaac and I go up this mountain to start chasing elk. And we get up there and we're sitting on this, like just this awesome picturesque rock cliff. And down below us, there's this big lake. And I think we're, like 800 feet elevation above the lake, just straight up out of the lake. And we're watching it. And again, we're watching the leaves change. We sat there for a couple hours. We glassed up some mountain goats. Uh, and then out of nowhere, we were about to take a nap. And then we hear this bugle out in the distance. So we're like, here we go. We got an animal. And if we're going to tell, if we're going to kill an animal, now's the time. So we can get a hold of the outfitter and tell them, hey, we need more horses. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot more meat for you to <laughs> come haul out of here. We get over and start chasing these elk, and uh, we never actually got into them. We we got into a little calling situation with them back and forth for a minute, and then the weather just turned out of nowhere. It did what it did the day before with the moose. It went from sunny to just complete cloud cover and dumping snow and rain on us. Oh, geez. And, and now we're again, we're two and a half miles from camp in the snow and the rain. The elk shut up. Uh, we we kind of hung out under a little pine tree for a bit, and uh, just to get out of the weather, we've got our rain gear on us. Both of us had quality rain gear, so we were staying dry. Uh, and then as this is happening, it's like the mule deer migration from the high country to the low country kicked in, and we're sitting there. And you, Isaac's got an uh, he has a mule deer tag in his pocket as well. And then, so we see this herd of mule deer come by and it's first, it's like seven. Then there's another one that comes by of 10. We sat there for an hour and watched probably upwards of 50 to hundred mule deer, just walk the same trail, just oh, get man, hightailing it out of the, out of the high country. And we didn't even attempt to pursue them. We just sat there and just took it in and just watched it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's snowing on us and these mule deer are, are moving out. So then finally we decide, man, this weather's get. we got to get off this mountain. So we start bombing down the hill. We get about halfway down and there's Oliver. He's got a fire made for us so we can sit there and dry out for a little bit, weather out the storm. And uh, that's really, that's really it, man. That's the rest. That's the end of the, the hunting. We, we made it back down to camp. The outfitter showed up a day. No, they showed up about when we expected them to. They said it was going to be two to three days. And I think they showed up on the second day of us waiting. Okay. And uh, while we were sitting there waiting for the outfitter, we have camp all packed up. We got a dead moose hanging in a tree. Um, the night before, we had had some celebratory whiskey. Uh, so we were still here. We and what, what was kind of crazy is like, that's kind of all of our tradition is you have this little flask of whiskey. So when you get that, you can celebrate. Yeah, the, well, the kill bottle or whatever you call it. <laughs> so we're sitting by the fire. And then the night we ended up that we our last night we were getting ready to leave the next morning and all of us just pull out this bottle of whiskey and we're like, well, 
we were all prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> the word got out that Oliver had killed this moose and Oliver's friend Jason had rode out on horseback to meet us. Well, oh, wow. he risky to like, hey, let's celebrate. So here we are <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. So the next morning we're packing up camp and feeling the, the effects of the night before. <laughs> um, so now we're preparing like for a rough feeling ride out on these horses um but they showed up with 11 horses i think we had 11 total to pack us okay. all out and as we're sitting there another bull moose like walks right through our camp and we watched him got some great footage of him um and so we just had this like it was like the quietest ride out ever i mean not that i've yeah. done this but we all just kind of rode out just i think spent four hours on horseback reflecting on what the last three days had presented us and we wow. were in there for seven seven days or ten days and we were out in three and we just sat there reflecting on it watching the the weather happen and getting snowed on and just dealing with it but at this point we didn't care how bad the weather was how uncomfortable we were we knew yeah. we were a few days from the truck and everything was worth it for what we just encountered and and how it all played out so that... it was just awesome wild ride that's just such a cool story. I, I don't, I don't know what it is in moose for some reason. Is that like the top of my someday list? I don't yeah. know what, like most guys, like they get into sheep or mountain goats or whatever, like moose has captivated me. And yeah. you, just listening to that story, like I am all fired up to finally like figure out and put a plan together to, to get up somewhere and, and yeah. chase one of these monsters. I never realized like I'm, I'm the same way now. And I never realized <laughs> until after this hunt, you know, I was, I was all like, yeah, moose are awesome. I'd love to shoot one one day. And then I do this full on horseback, Western backcountry moose hunt. And I'm like obsessed with moose. Now I got to figure out how the heck I can do this for myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, it was, man. it was just a wild adventure. That's, that's an incredible, I, I also love the stories where somebody misses the first shot. And then somehow they're able to get it together and put a second one uh, that uh, just no. always see. Maybe it's because I uh, often miss the first shot, <laughs> right. but, uh, but I just love those, those stories, like where you think, Oh, it's over. I'd screwed this up, but then something happens. You get a second chance. Uh, love that so much. Um, hey, like, I, uh, this, oh, go ahead. No, I absolutely. I, while I'm recording this, I had actually, while I'm recording the video, I had thought, this moose is gone, man. But he likes yeah. his base and get back into him. And then he just stopped. He put the brakes on. And it just, it, the way it happened was just wild. I have it on video. And I'll have to send you the, uh, the link. I've got it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. So you can check oh, out I'd... the whole the video. Absolutely. I guess it's a shameless little plug there. Um, that is, yeah. To yeah. Go check. Uh, oh, no. I'm all about letting guys plug stuff. So is that your YouTube channel? Where, what do I, what do you guys search to find that? Uh, so that's, we, we started that YouTube channel more as like just a family thing. It wasn't, oh, okay. not, we, it's not anything we tried to like, Hey, we want to be the next YouTube sensation. No, we started it. So 10, 15 years down the road, our kids can look back and go, man, my dad wasn't always fat and lazy. You know, my, <laughs> my dad used to like, he used to hunt and he used to kill things. Uh, just so our family can reflect on it for for years down the road um but it's called points west outdoors okay uh, so it's a small youtube channel i think we got like 10 videos up there mostly mostly coos and mule deer hunts and then 
that moose hunt and a bear hunt. So awesome. No, I'll, I'll put a link in the description and stuff just to help people find it. They can share, they could visualize at least a, a part of the journey. Oh, um, pivoting a little bit, uh, cause I don't have a smooth segue for this. So we're just going to do it. Uh, you and I first really started talking cause there was this whole situation with Arizona with the rumors or potential of shutting down or limiting, you know, bear predator, that kind of hunting. And so like, I felt like out of nowhere, suddenly I was, my phone was blowing up with just posts and things of like, Whoa, what, what's going on with game and fish? What's happening? Uh, so why don't you somehow find yourself like in the middle of that? So why don't you just give us a like quick picture of what was going on and how did you end up as the, one of the Arizona faces of this issue? Um, so I, I hadn't heard anything about it. And, and I feel like most hunters, uh, we don't really like, we don't pay attention to the topics, the things going on around us. You know, like we hunting is our hobby and a lifestyle, but we also have a life outside of that. So mm-hmm. when we're in the field, we do have to come back and we tend to, we tend to families and we tend to careers and we tend to everyday life. Uh, and what happened in the process of this was, well, as we're coming into, we hit 2022 that we're in the last year of our five-year regulation block. So the way Game and Fish does it is they break it into five years. Uh, their regulations are based on five-year sections. So okay. 20 through 28 will be the next one. So the whole month of January was an open comment period for this, uh, for anybody, hunters, outdoor enthusiasts, um, animal rights activists, whatever you would call yourself, anybody could comment on this. And during the month of December, there was the, there were three organizations that kind of started rallying their troops. They knew that the, they knew that the regulation, the time to change regulations was coming up. And if you remember, I think back in 2018, they attacked our lion hunting as well. Yes. I heard something about that. Yeah. What I think they did then is they, that was like, let's test the waters. We're going to throw everything we want out there, which they wanted to ban lion hunting at the time. And we're going to see, we, we don't expect to win this battle, but we're going to see where it goes. So I think they did that. They saw what they needed to do, rallied the troops, and now they were pushing for it again. So the open comment period was in January and January 1st came through and these anti-hunting groups had their followers start hammering in the comments to game and fish that these things need to change with lions, bears, and bobcats. And uh, so there was a representative from game and fish that she sent out an email and I guess pers- without calling it quote unquote, a leaked email, cause it wasn't, it was intended to get out, but I think it was like, Hey, I'm going to give you this information and you do with it what you want. And she sent it out to, uh, to an individual here in Arizona. Uh, and it, you know, I think, I think he's just a, a, your average DIY hunter guy. Just take this out. Here's what's going on. We're getting a lot of emails saying that people would like the hunting of these predators to the regulations to be changed and potentially the hunting of these species to be eliminated. Uh, and somebody sent me the email. And again, all this person from Game and Fish was doing was giving a heads up. Like people say people, a lot of people have this vision on Game and Fish. That they don't work for us. There's too much money. Their hands are pockets and money and whatever um 
Game and Fish, you know, have your opinions. I'm not going to tell you to not, but Game and Fish, they're out there for the the better of the animals in reality, yeah. and they are, for the most part, they do like to help us out. They do. They they understand what hunters are about and what conservation of species would be without hunters. So they don't want to see us disappear. They don't want to see these hunting seasons go away. So, anyways, she got this information out. One of uh, one of my followers on Hunt AZ sent me a screenshot of the email. And when I read it, I was like, man, what the heck is going on? So I kind of just, I read it and I, I don't like to just take information and just barf it out to the world. Like I, <laughs> I had to stew on it for a few days and think like, okay, what is going on? I want to, I want to learn about this. I want to see what else is happening. And then, then I will distribute this information. Well, then like two days later, it started to show up more and more. I started getting more screenshots of this email. I'm going to make it public and then we'll, uh, we'll filter it from there. So I posted it and it got the, it got the word out, which like, I, I think it needed to be done. I think the can of worms needed to be opened. Uh, but I'll take a little bit of credit for it getting out the wrong way. Um, okay. You know, I, I did, I did be, end up becoming the face behind this. And as you may have seen, there was videos of me talking about it and giving updates and, and whatever. But the way I put it out, it wasn't exactly clear. And a lot of people instantly like went to torch and pitchforks and wanted game and fish gone, you know, like game and fish and all this stuff. Game and fish did nothing but help us out with this. So, okay get that cleared that it wasn't human fish trying to get rid of these hunting seasons it was three anti-hunting groups uh, and they've been at it across the west but a lot of people just went right to the hatred of game and fish and trying to put them in the dirt for this happening and that was not the case at all uh, so i apologize for anybody or to anybody that may have taken that that way but i wasn't trying to get it out where game and fish was trying to screw us per se uh, they really just tried to help us. So uh, I, I just want to keep, I want to clear that and, and keep their name as clean as they can keep it. Um, and then uh, there was a podcast with Blood Origins. I'm not sure if you listen to him at all. Um, no, I mean, I will now, but. <laughs> yeah, so he's the guy, he's, I think, believe he's back in the Southeast a little bit. And he okay. actually got on with the Game and Fish personnel that sent out this email and was oh, okay. like, he he went straight to it and and got words from the source and she cleared it up a lot um but so so anyways that became that uh and really what this idea was about for me to get this out was yes to bring attention to it but if we just stay in our own little bubbles and we don't try to keep up on this stuff um as hunters as people we don't try to keep up with this and we let the all the other politics and garbage going on in the world keep our head looking this way when it needs to be looking this way also um we're gonna lose out on a lot of things and having the hunt az platform i see a lot where hunters don't band together yeah and i i think my main push for this was like yes we got to stop this in the track so we're being proactive not reactive because if we don't come together now and they in turn get their way with with how they want these regulations changed in arizona 
this time next year, we're going to be having a complete different conversation of, well, how the heck did this happen? Why did this happen? Where did this come from? And how do we change it? And now we're, once it's changed, it's going to be harder to get it back. And yeah. once things are gone, most of the time, we're not getting this stuff back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my big push was to get the hunting community to band together. And in a world of, of crazy media and divisiveness, we need to stay together as that community. I don't care if, like, I, I know you and Josh, you guys love to bear hunt. You know, yeah. I don't care if you're bear hunters and, and I'm a deer hunter and Joe over here is an elk hunter. Well, that they're, and this guy over here is a lion hunter. Well, he's a lion hunter or, you know, I don't, that's, this is affecting lions and bears. So it doesn't bother me right now. I'm a deer hunter. No, it, it affects everybody at every level, at every yeah. animal in that you pursue it's going to affect you and yeah. one day it might be today it's bears and tomorrow it might be the elk but when it comes down to okay well it's the bears i don't care it's the elk i don't care i'm a deer guy but when it comes down to the deer you don't got anybody left in your corner to back you up yeah. and you didn't you didn't back those guys up so now it, they're just going to dwindle this down and it was my i'm getting all fired up again man um <laughs> i love it <laughs> I, my big push, like I was saying, was just to get everybody to come together rather than be so divisive and and not coming together as a unit and just being clicky. We need to get rid of the click mentality in the hunting community and just be one hunting community. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that, that's really what I was shooting for. That's so true. It's such a good, I mean, you know, it. we're not the first guys to say something like that, but that is... Uh, but we still haven't done it as hunters by and large, because you've just got your like, all oh, the, you know, bow hunters are complaining about rifle guys and, you know, vice versa, or, oh, somebody was in my spot. Now, um, I mean, yes, that's annoying, but it's, it's the, it's the way the game is played. Like, that's why you have backup spots, like move on, share the woods. Like we should be each other's best advocates. Cause like you said, it's, you know, groups like this will start with, oh, you know, bears and bobcats, like they're cute and cuddly. So I bet we could get public support to shut that down because, you know, there's also there's a perception that you don't eat the meat. So you're just killing them just to kill them. Uh, and then if they win that battle, then like, OK, well, you know what else is cute? Deer are cute. Elk are cute. Like we let's. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying their motivations are only because it's cute, but like bear seem to be an easy first target just because, you know, show some video of bear cubs goofing around and you're like, oh, well, why would you ever kill one of these? Like, well, because yeah. it's delicious, and if we don't manage the populations, they're going to kill everything else. And to go back with the with coming together as a group, I see it so much, and it just it kind of makes me a little sad and a little irritated. Where dudes just destroy each other on social media. Oh yeah, for no reason. Like I'm not, I'm not by any means. I, I don't like the term trophy hunter because yes, it's awesome to shoot an animal with a big rack or the biggest, the a big representation of that species. It's awesome to shoot a big, a big one, but yeah. I'm also an opportunistic hunter. I, you know, I've never killed, I hunt coos more than anything. I've never killed a giant coos deer. And I, I might go a few days and like, all right, there's some small bucks and I might end up with some 70, 80 inch deer. That's typically yeah. the, case. but if some dude shoots a spike or a fork or a, just a small legal representation of that species 
I don't get why everybody on there just has to, and the guy posted on social media and everybody goes, man, why did you shoot that? Why didn't you wait for a big one? Why didn't you do this? Not all of us go out and kill 110 inch coos deer every year. Not all of us yeah. kill 70 muleys every year. No. Yeah. Some of some people that's a once in a lifetime buck. Let the dude that just started hunting, kill his small deer and be happy for him, man. He was successful. Yeah. And it, one of the things that just drives me nuts is there's so much div divisiveness in the world that we have all of a sudden have to attack each other when we're on the same damn team. Yeah. That, it, oh, the, I, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, I've, I've said that exact same thing about destroying guys who shoot a tiny deer. Like my, my whole thing with late to the game outdoors was I didn't start till I was an adult. And there's a whole, I get messages all the time from people like, Hey, I'm same boat. You know, I was 30 and suddenly felt this urge to go hunting. So just because, you know, a hunter, you know, grew up. And so they shot their, their spike or their fork when they were 10 years old, no one's bashing on the 10 year old for doing that. Well, just because this guy's older, doesn't mean he's any further along in his journey than you were when you were 10 or 12. So like you said, like celebrate with the guy. He is super, he wouldn't be posting his little spike if he wasn't super stoked about it. So be happy for him. Like it, the tag says any antler deer for a reason. If there was a problem with shooting spikes, they would put like branch antler requirements or something on it. That, and, and a lot of other states have those requirements. And we're fortunate yeah. enough here in Arizona that we don't have those requirements. And to me, yeah, I sometimes I don't always think like, uh, shooting a spike on the first day that's not my cup of tea i'd like to hunt because first yeah. off i shoot on the first day now my hunt's over yeah now you're going home <laughs> out here for seven days i'm gonna hang out for a few days and yeah. if i can find a spike on the first day i can find a spike on the fifth day you yeah. know that's exactly. my myth. but i just it, it's one more thing for hunters to go against each other and just do that and all we're really doing is adding fuel to the fire we're not coming together where in a way you're almost siding with the anti-hunters uh, in, in my eyes. I mean, a lot of people may not agree with me on that, but if you're not coming together, then you're like, if you're not working as a team here, you're working for them. You know, a house divided against itself can't stand like it, it's that old concept. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and then to, to add, to kind of the conversation we're in one other thing that I would just like to see. And I try to, I try to coach this along as I can on Instagram, but when you harvest something, pay respect to the animal itself and the people viewing it, because when you put it on social media, it's not just going to other hunters. There's people that don't like hunting and are against hunting that will see your photo. And if you have this photo of a buck laying on its side and you're holding his antlers and his tongue is hanging out and there's blood running down his side and blood running down his chin, it just paints such a negative picture. And then yeah. when the antis want it, want to use it against us, they're going to take your picture of your grip and grin of your critter covered in blood and be like, look at they're savagely killing these animals. No, that's, yeah. that's natural for the blood to come out where the bullet went in or the arrow went in. That's natural for them to cough up blood and it come out of their mouth. But we just got to church that up a little bit and, uh, and try not to give them that kind of ammunition against us. Yeah. Which, which I think it, um, I so mean, there's, 
that that honors the animal better anyway. Like, yes, there's the reality of the process of death, but uh, this, this is a really morbid example that's just coming to mind right now. So it might be a mistake, but you know, you go to an open casket funeral, like they dress up that, but like they make it look as good as possible to honor the deceased. Uh, we can do the same for, and it takes, you know, a minute to some water, some dirt, like clean some stuff up. You can get into Photoshop and clean things up a little bit. If you want to like a little bit of prudence can create a less uh, controversial photo, I guess you'd say. Right. And so, you know, I know you're familiar with the Honey Z platform. There's, there's people out there that aren't. What I do on that platform is, is when you harvest an animal in Arizona, and I strictly only show animals harvested here in the state of Arizona, people send me those photos. And I take those photos and post it to help them share their experience. They're proud of what they've done. They share their experience and they want other people to see it. Well, I get those photos and I do that for them. I help, I help share them. But when I get those photos that are just so blood soaked and look like this gory crime scene, I, I feel bad, but I have to tell the people like, I can't, I can't do that, man. I'm sorry. I love the fact that you're excited, but if you can get me a clean picture, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to help you out, but I can't, I can't do that. Especially as I preach, clean it up, clean it up, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a just, fair rule to have. For anybody that's interested in what Hunt AC is or, or what I do, that's it. Uh, and if you're going to send me photos, please try to be respectful with those photos. And uh, and I can help you share them the best I can. Yeah. No, that's uh, – I'll link to the I'll, – I'll put a link where you guys can find them on Instagram for sure. It's Hunt underscore AZ. Uh, I, I mean, a great follow anyway because you, you just – it's like a compilation of pictures and videos of just awesome Arizona hunt stuff. Um uh, and on the side, you're, you're also this great, whether you wanted to be or not, you're now this great advocate for, uh, hunters, I guess, you know, coming together and advocating for ourselves, uh, because there, there's just, we can't, we can't just fall asleep on the job. Like we, we have to stay pretty vigilant and, you know, at least in step with groups that are generally better organized and more united than we are, uh, mm -hmm. that are trying to bring down, uh, this lifestyle. Right. Oh, man. Okay. Well now you got, you went and got me all fired up. So now I don't know what to do with the rest of my day, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, I want to go hunt moose even more. Uh, I want to like be in touch with game and fish and unite with other hunters. Like I just have so, so much on my list that I now want to do just from talking to a, a passionate, uh, fellow hunter. Um, is, is there any way besides, uh, hunt AZ, uh, the YouTube channel stuff that we'll link anything else you want to point people towards. Um, yeah, one, one more thing. So, uh, an organization that was kind of monumental in this, um, pushback against the antis was a group called howl for wildlife. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them or come across them on, on social media. So howl for wildlife is an organization that has started to combat all of these anti-hunting movements. So for a while there, through the month of January, we were going through uh, antis pushing to get rid of bear hunting in Washington, California, um, Colorado, Arizona, and then some other ones around the country. And what this uh, Howl for Wildlife organization does is they are a platform to help combat these things. So when you get on and you uh, join, join the pack, 
it it sets you up to get emails when these things are coming. So instead of you just getting hit with a with a blindside uh, attempt on on these hunting regulations, if you're part of the pack on Howl for Wildlife, they send you an email every time some new initiative comes up. So oh, you cool. see, and it it's not always it's not just Arizona. They send you if there's an initiative in Idaho that you get it. Um, you know, you get these things and what their, their organization helps us combat them by when you get on there and you get this notification, you get on the website, you can click, um, what is it? Uh, take action. There's a take action button mm-hmm. and you get there and it has a pre filled out email for you. All you do is click sign and submit and that e- they send an email for you to that wildlife organization. So like when we did it for Arizona, all you had to do is click submit and it sent your email, a pre-drafted email to game and fish for you. Oh, that's awesome. So they're getting tens of thousands of emails just by people clicking submit sent out to these, uh, these game and fish departments to help our side combat what we need to, to put the antis in the dirt on these situations. Uh, so that's howlforwildlife.org. You can find them on Instagram at howl underscore org, O-R-G. Uh, okay. And I recommend anybody that's passionate. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely passionate about hunting. Get on there and join the pack and stay up to date. That way you can go on living your life and somebody's going to just tell you when this stuff is happening. Um, and then that organization is a great organization. I'm going to try to do a fundraiser um, for them here in the spring. Uh, maybe do some raffle stuff and we can help that out as well. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome. And I'll, uh, I'll put links in the the show notes for, for them as well. Uh, Cause what a, what an, like the hardest things are to like, no one, not a lot of people have the time to just sit there trying to keep an eye out for all this stuff. And even something as simple as, Oh, let me fire off a quick email. I mean, we're so lazy with short attention spans these days. Like you just get like, Oh, but who do I send it to? And then I got to type the thing and, you know, before you know it, you've put it off. So just a simple, like click send there. Yeah. I, I, I did a, at least a small part of helping, um, man, I love that. And as you, uh, as you get to the spring and, you know, start doing fundraiser kind of stuff, uh, man, let me know. We'll, we'll see what we can, however, I can be a, a part of helping that, uh, happy to do that. Cause, uh, I, I want to enjoy this for a long time. I want my kids to be able to hunt the rest of their lives. And, uh, right. It's, it's scary to think of that going away. Uh, man, I have, I have taken more of your time than I meant to, but, uh, but thank you again for being on, uh, guys go give Ryan a follow. There's links to all the stuff we talked about and, uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Ryan, thanks so much for being on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.